Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. I find it important, especially during these turbulent and troubled times, to keep turning to Scripture and our faith for words of comfort and assurance. Whatever our religious traditions or our faith backgrounds, we each need to marshal our spiritual resources to gather strength and courage and provide hope for ourselves, our families, and all those around us. This week, my wife received a message from our exchange daughter in Germany. Twenty years ago, Cornelia stayed with our family in Wisconsin. Then our daughter lived with her family in Germany the following summer. My wife and I have visited her family there, and we all have maintained a close relationship over the years. Cornelia now has two young children of her own. We are family. Cornelia wrote, The family here is doing fine. Although all those precious, peaceful, and happy moments seem so fragile regarding what is happening only a couple of flight hours away from us, we are shattered. Watching the news makes me cry. It feels as if a Damocles sword is hanging over all of us. We are keeping the kids away from TV, but as our son has his eyes and ears everywhere, he came quickly asking, asking us if this was World War III. A Ukrainian mother from his karate school organized a donation in kind and he quickly came to that question. As we are all burned out by COVID restrictions from the past two years, we are relieved that family things are getting back to a certain routine, things like school or kindergarten. But the society is also economically bleeding. Prices are increasing since and due to the new crisis even more. Gas station today 2.15 euros per liter. That's about 8.95 per gallon. Flour in the supermarket sold out. Not talking about the rents and the heating. It's challenging to look forward when the current world order is falling apart. We remember Chernobyl. We remember World War II. My mother has sleeping problems because she is recalling early childhood trauma from the war, triggered by the pictures. She was born in 1942. Our chancellor is looking at Putin like a rabbit watching a snake. In America, we share the same concerns as Cornelia and her children. The threat of escalating war, COVID fatigue, and economic stress. We can easily forget, however, how much closer the people of Europe are to the fighting in Ukraine, and how fresh in their minds are the memories of the devastation of World War II being fought on their own soil. And increasingly, they are beginning to feel severe shortages of gas and other commodities from Ukraine and Russia. But we truly are all in this together. 
Cornelia mentions, Cornelia's mention of the word Damocles reminded me of the speech that President John F. Kennedy made to the United Nations in 1961, long before she was born. Kennedy said, Unconditional war can no longer lead to unconditional victory. It can no longer serve to settle disputes. It can no longer concern the great powers alone. For a nuclear disaster, spread by wind and water and fear, could well engulf the great and the small, the rich and the poor, the committed and the uncommitted alike. Mankind must put an end to war, or war will put an end to mankind. Today, every inhabitant of this planet must contemplate the day when this planet may no longer be habitable. Every man, woman, and child lives under a nuclear sword of Damocles, hanging by the slenderest of threads, capable of being cut at any moment by accident or miscalculation or by madness. The weapons of war must be abolished before they abolish us. That was John F. Kennedy all those years ago. The Sword of Damocles refers to the story of an ancient king named Dionysius who possessed great power and lived surrounded by every luxury and convenience imaginable. Damocles, a subject of Dionysius, once told the king how he envied his opulent lifestyle. Dionysius offered to switch places with Damocles for one day so that he could experience what it was like to be a king. Of course, Dionysus accepted. Damocles sat on the king's lushly embroidered throne, surrounded by beautiful furnishings, all of the rare foods and fine wines served from silver plates and goblets that he could consume, and waited upon by the most beautiful attendants who catered to his every whim. Dionysus had made mortal enemies over the years, however, so he had a heavy sword hung over Damocles' head, suspended by a single hair from a horse's tail, so that he could experience what it was like to live in constant fear of the dangers that stalked the ruler. Damocles finally begged to leave the throne because he had learned that with great wealth comes great danger. Unlike Damocles, you and I, Cornelia and her family, rich and poor alike, cannot simply move from under the dangling sword hanging over our heads. Plus, it seems like each new added crisis strains that horsehair tighter and tighter until we are sure that it must break soon. As COVID seems to be coming more and more under control, soaring inflation rates and the unrelenting assault being carried out by the Russian military in Ukraine ramp up other fears. World markets convulse with uncertainty. Fear closes in around us like a heavy San Francisco fog. Over the years, I've written and preached about dealing with fear many times. 
And predictably, on those occasions, I have turned to Jesus' speech on worry and anxiety and fear from Luke 12, where he says, Who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Those words are spoken over and over again in the Bible, many many times by Jesus himself. The people of both the Old and New Testaments lived under many of the same threats that we experience today. Fear of disease, economic hardship, and war. Jesus and the other writers of the Bible counsel against being afraid because they know the crippling effect that fear can have on our ability to respond to those threats or to even survive. And yes, we cannot worry ourselves out of danger. We are to rely upon the faithfulness and providence of God. But we are not the lilies of the field or the birds of the air who go through life without a worry in the world. We are sentient, thinking beings who are aware of our birth, of suffering, and our death. We see the dangers around us. We have a survival instinct instilled in us. The dangers around us are real, and the fears that they invoke within us are real too. Only a fool would not be afraid. We need our fears to keep us alive. But Jesus points out, we also can't let our fears control us. I had a recent wrestling match with my own personal fear. For several months, I'd been scheduled to undergo a minor abdominal surgery. Now, they called it a minor surgery, but when they said that they're going to knock me out with some the same drug that killed Michael Jackson, and then stick a tube down my throat so they could keep me breathing, you've left behind any notion of how I define the word minor. Well, I confess that I have a fear of being anesthetized. In my defense, I have a reason for my fear. When I was a four-year-old, I was admitted to the hospital to have my tonsils taken out, another minor surgery. In those days, they checked you into the hospital the night before your surgery. God knows why. And that night, I shared the room with a little girl who'd had her tonsils removed that same day. During the night, she hemorrhaged and choked to death. The room filled with frantic doctors and nurses trying to save her. The next morning, when my mother arrived to find out what happened, she canceled my surgery and took me home. I still needed the surgery, however, and three days later I was back in the same bed where I spent another terror-filled night wondering whether I would follow my former roommate's fate the next morning. In the operating room, I was filled with terror when they placed the mask over my face to put me to sleep with ether. I still remember struggling as I fought to breathe. They were smothering me. I saw myself being sucked down 
a fiery vortex toward a black cauldron at its center. That vortex finally consumed me, and I fell unconscious, only to awake with a fiery pain in my throat, vomiting blood, and now terrified that I would choke to death. I feel that my adult fears are justified, or at least explainable. Last week, when the anesthesiologist visited me, prior to taking me, prior to taking me into surgery, I shared that story with him. And he said that everyone that he's ever talked to who was put under with ether tells the same horror story of smothering. My wife had the same experience in the same hospital, by the way. He then went on to explain to me the difference in modern anesthetics and how safe they are. He said that the statistics show that you're more likely to die in a car accident on the way to the hospital than you are from anesthesia. I chose to believe him. The new drugs put you to sleep quickly and quickly leave your system. He said that the short-acting Profifol, which he would use to put me to sleep, was safe and that Michael Jackson would be singing today if he had had his professional team with him. At the end of our short conversation, I felt totally relaxed and reassured as they wheeled me into the operating room where everybody was chatting happily. I even got off a few bad dad jokes before they mercifully turned out my lights. Two hours later, I woke up feeling alert and relieved with only a pain in my side. If I have to be anesthetized again, I know I will feel much more confident and at ease. Despite my trauma, I know I now have a better understanding of the risks involved and trust in those who will be caring for me. The late Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh writes in his book, Fear, Essential Wisdom of Getting Through the Storm. He writes, The only way to ease our fear and be truly happy is to acknowledge our fear and look deeply at its source. Instead of trying to escape our fear, we can invite it up to our awareness and look at it clearly and deeply. Thanks to the pe people skills of my doctor, I was able to acknowledge and look more deeply at the source of my fear. There were still risks to surgery. I acknowledged that in a dozen waivers I'd signed but I knew where my fear came from. I didn't need to ignore or deny it any longer. I was able to look at it, look it in the eye, and deal with it. Fear does not need to go away in order to be manageable. Fear has a way of distorting things and making them worse. Fear keeps us focused on our past and the bad things we recall or it causes us to project the worst-case scenario on the future so that we're paralyzed with worry. But when we're in touch with our fear, we can live in the present. In this moment, I'm okay. I'm living and breathing and have many things around me to enjoy and be thankful for. I can experience the reassuring presence of God and Jesus Christ in my life again. Now, whether she knows it or not, Cornelia, in sending that email, 
had taken a first important step in dealing with fear. She has acknowledged it and shared it and looks at it. In so doing, she's helped me do the same, and I hope it may now help you too. Beyond acknowledging her fear, she's also shared it. I hope that the sharing will help remove the isolating power of fear. She has a family beside her, not only at home, but all around the world, just like I had a team of confident doctors and nurses at my bedside. We are none of us alone. I worry about the effects that fear will have on the children who are living through these crises. Look at the fear I've carried with me from childhood trauma for almost 70 years. The late Fred Rogers told a story to help kids through troubled times. He said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, he said, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You can always find people who are helping. I've been noticing the helpers in Ukraine. I have noticed people stepping up, sometimes at great personal risk, to care for the injured and in the battle-toward cities of Ukraine. I've seen people help each other, young helping the old, adults helping children. I'm sure there's still a lot of fear there. But what I see is courage, defiance, and people who are determined to survive, people who will survive. We can also deal with our own fears by becoming the helpers. In the U.S., people are standing up and speaking out for Ukraine. In Europe, countries are opening their borders and their homes to refugees. The fears that they have are overcome by purpose. Did you ever notice that whenever you can do something to help in a crisis, no matter how small, fear starts to recede into the background? Jesus lived in a very dangerous and precarious time. The people lived in fear, not only of the Roman oppressors, but also of the puppet government of King Herod. Once, as Jesus' popularity became more threatening to the powers that be, a group of Pharisees came to Jesus to warn him of the danger. They said, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. But Jesus said to them, go and tell that fox for me, Listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Jesus compares himself to a mother hen who gathers her chick under her wings against the fox. Look at this image more closely, and his words may seem a false assurance, because the mother hen cannot really protect her chicks from the fox. But gathering her chicks under her is a final act of desperation. All she has to offer is consolation and a mother's love. But maybe... That's just what is needed.
for her and her chicks. I have one other lingering memory from my childhood ether experience that I haven't shared yet. I remember, no, I can still feel my mother's strong arms around me as I puked into that emesis basin following surgery. Finally, finally, after all I had been through, in her embrace, I was no longer afraid. When Jesus said, have no fear, he's not scolding us or criticizing us for a lack of faith. He is assuring us. Like a mother hen, like Cornelia with her children, like my mother all those years ago, he's saying, they're there now. Don't be afraid. Mama is with you. And that may be enough. Amen. May God bless you and keep you. May God gather you into his loving arms and cast out your fear. Amen. <laughs>